Babe, this podcast almost didn't happen because I just stepped into a giant pile of dog shit outside. <laughs> oh, my life. La vie. Babe. Babe, it's me. Oh, my God. I have so much to say. And But stepping in dog shit. Okay, so... I was like super in a good mood, ready to do a podcast, which I haven't done in a month. And then I was like, I smell shit. So I was walking around the house and I was like, mom, did you, did you make poopy on the rug? Um, Jackson's not home. So he didn't make poopy on the rug. And then I noticed poopy footprints from the front door all the way to the back of my house. While I was searching for poop, I was putting little tiny shit footprints all through my fucking house. So I have this limited time and what am I doing? I'm scrubbing shit off the rug. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to bed. I'm not doing a podcast. I don't have the strength, but I do have the strength. I do. I have so much to say today. I've been, it's been building up. It's been building up. So um, this is a a side, another story arc in my, this episode, the Stepford babes. Uh, They're blippy. Let's talk about Blippy, shall we? I wanted to, and shit and Blippy, sort of, it's a good segue. Although, uh, well, let me just tell you the story. If you remember um, my podcast episode, Daddy Finger, when I'm talking about the, the crazy bullshit that's out there on YouTube for kids to watch, I think I mentioned Blippy. And at the time, months ago, Blippy to me was ins- just is as insufferable as as any. I hate. I there, I have this strange like pho- I don't know if it's a phobia, but I don't like when adults talk in baby voices. It 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 messes with my head. I hate it, and that's what Blippy does. And Blippy is a wildly popular YouTube star, um, and he has uh, he's an adult male who talks like a child, and he goes to empty play lands, <laughs> bounce houses, and, and places that are mostly for kids. Uh, and he sort of works his way through and acts a fool. And he's so, so this, so here's how Buzzfeed describes him. If you've come across Blippy, the wildly popular YouTube kids entertainer, you might dismiss him as an eccentric 30 year old man in an orange bow tie and bright orange glasses, a guy in a blue and orange cap who dances wildly and speaks in a cloying over enunciated voice for kids on the internet. But to three-year-olds blippy is the greatest fucking thing they have ever seen and they will cry and beg to see more of blippy adventures with tractors and fire trucks it's this raw kinder fervor (laughs) okay i didn't think i'd be saying kinder fervor today but here it is uh it's this raw kinder fervor blippy cultivates amongst his fans that has grown his youtube channel to 3.5 million subscribers so Apparently, so Jackson loves Blippy. We don't have Blippy paraphernalia around the house, but Blippy is, um, he loves Blippy. And to me, it was like, even though I can't stand to listen to him, at least he's learning something. Wash your hands, please and thank you, shapes, letters. Although, um, at one point, Blippy, Blippy, <laughs> Poopy, um, misidentifies uh, a hexagon as an octagon. He doesn't even know his shapes. So, um, but anyway, my friend Kelly sends me this BuzzFeed article that says a video has surfaced of Blippy taking a, a shit on a, on a naked friend when he was in his early 20s. Apparently, it was called the Harlem Shake. And it was during that whole, oh, I don't even want to talk about it, that, that whole two girls, one cup uh, 
time in our lives. Google that. Well, actually, don't Google that. You'll, you'll, you'll never speak to me again. But anyway, he was scategorical, and he, he shat upon a friend. Um, and they were, I guess, wearing bike helmets, and they were both naked. And so Blippi's got this this poopy past, right? And so I'm thinking, this is going to ruin Blippi. This, finally, he's going to be pulled from the airwaves. Parents are going to unite. He's disgusting. He, he, sa- he stated that he regretted um, shitting on his friend on camera. There's, there's no evidence of it, although uh, it's been pulled from the interwebs. But uh, BuzzFeed did a, a artist's rendering of what it might have looked like, which was like this pencil drawing, which is pretty funny. Um, but anyway, I go to the comments, like I often do, and people are like, defending but one person said i think i like blippy more now like now i kind of like dig him and so people don't care they don't care if he's who he has shit on um literally shit on so this isn't going to nothing will take blippy down is what i'm i'm saying he will debase himself as a young man shitting and he will debase himself as an uh, as a 30 year old climbing through uh little tunnels and playing with toy kitchens and and oh my god the mugging and the faces he pulls faces as they say in the ballroom world uh it's just it's really disturbing so I went to work and I, my friend Shannon at work, her son really loves Blippi. Like he has a Blippi doll and everything. And he, he, um, he mentions Blippi often. Jackson doesn't mention Blippi outside of when he's watching him, but, uh, he does say goodbye to Blippi when Blippi says goodbye. Uh, the song, even the song is an earworm. It's like so much to sing about. It makes you want to shout Blippi. B-L-I-P-P-I. So where was I going with this? Oh, so I knew I had this information about the shitting. And I was like, wait till I tell Shannon. I've got big news for Shannon. Wait until she hears about the downfall of Blippi. And uh, she already knew. A friend of hers sent her the same article, the same BuzzFeed article. And, and I'm like, I have something to tell you. You better brace yourself. This is going to rock your world. She's like, oh, is it about Blippi shitting on his friend? So I don't know. This is just the, the type of, this is a parent's struggle. Do I let my child, well, I've, I, we're never seeing Blippi live. I'll tell you that for sure. Um, but, you know, I still, I guess part of me doesn't care because, again, I need to get shit done. And if he learns a thing or two while he's watching this damned fool parade around a bounce house or a trampoline park or an aquarium or um, I, it's worth mentioning again that there's an episode where he's in a park uh, having a picnic and he goes and is acting like an asshole in the in the woods. And then he comes back and someone stole his sandwich. So a passing cop comes by wearing I think he's wearing shorts on a bike. And he and Blippi share a glance. And I, I really will tell you, if you're not into gay porn, this is how many a gay porn starts. Um, and I was like, where is this going? Like, I've seen this before. I, I know before you know it, they're going to be, you know, vodeo dodo and in the woods. But they, that's not where it goes. He actually gives Blippi a little badge and they find his sandwich uh, half eaten by, I think, a raccoon. So anyway, it's just he's weird, everyone. So. I stepped in dog shit. It made me not want to do the podcast because I'm really stressed out. But then I thought it's a good segue to tell you all about what happened with Blippi. Now, I'm sure the Blippi people are going to hear the podcast. Sue me. Take this off SoundCloud and then I will be you'll you'll never hear this again. So if you're hearing this now, beware the Blippi police, the true Blippi police are probably coming. So anyway, 
So this is called The Stepford Babes. Have you ever seen the movie, the original movie or read the book by Ira Levin, The Stepford Wives? It's it's a, a term that's thrown around these days by those in the know. But uh, Stepford, Stepford, uh, Connecticut, I think it was in, right outside New York City, uh, was a little town where the women... The, it was in the mid, early to mid-70s, so that it was very uh, now, and women's lib and feminists were, would come and move to Stepford and slowly change, or maybe suddenly change, into these robotic women who were um, there to serve their husband and live a perfect life and bring over a perfect casserole, and they would just die if they didn't get that brownie recipe, and they're good in bed, and... Um, Paula Prentice and, um, oh, fuck, what's her name? From uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Catherine Ross! Um, Paula Prentice and Catherine Ross are the last two left that didn't get turned into Stepford Wives. And they were like, what, the, what is going on? And what's happening is the women are being replaced by robots that look like them, uh, slowly, by their husbands. And it's this, this perfect world. And finally, spoiler alert... There is a um, Paul Apprentice, who's super hip and cool in this movie. Bobby, she plays, turns into a Stepford wife. And um, Catherine Ross's character stabs her in the arm and she malfunctions. And um, what does she say? Now, why would you do that? 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 It's horrifying. And so Catherine Ross runs home and realizes she's been replaced. And I think the, the robot kills the woman and and that's how i don't know but she had dead eyes she had like black eyes she had no no pupils no whites of her eyes um it's a really scary fucking movie but people talk about stepford being a stepford wife being perfect being perfect and so this is about the stepford babes everybody take a deep breath so i have lived my the majority of my life trying to be perfect where did this come from, you ask yourself? Well, I will tell you. A lot of times gay people, when they know they harbor a dark secret that's probably going to be wildly unpopular with uh, everyone, uh, try to be perfect in every other way. Like, I'm a big queer, so I'm going to be really good in school and super funny and super witty and make lots of friends and be in the school play. And, uh, you know, I never did sports. That's that's a... Uh, a common knowledge, but um, I'm really polite and I play the piano and look at me and I'm going to school and, and uh, you know, I, I, uh, I fell short many times, but I was always trying to be perfect. So I think part of it is um, being gay. Honestly, there's a book called The Best Little Boy in the World, and lots of us were called that because we were trying so hard to overcompensate for our dirty, dirty gayness uh, by being perfect. So, there's that. Also, and this just hit me recently, like, who am I trying to be? I'm not trying to be Paul Apprentice in The Stepford Wives, although I've seen the movie a million times and I've read the book a million times because it's just such a mind fuck. But um, I have been trying to be a lot like my dad. My dad uh, is an amazing man. He grew up in um, beyond poverty with uh, an alcoholic father and a disabled mother. And he um, 
he tells these stories very casually about, um, you know, eating out of garbage cans and eating Dale donuts um, that have been left somewhere and watching TV through other people's windows. I swear he he tells a story of hopping a boxcar. <laughs> I, I might have made that one up. I don't know. But my grandmother was paralyzed on one side and um, she couldn't work. My grandfather left them and my dad joined the seminary when he was 15. So at the time, the seminary promised you a college degree. It was kind of like the army. Uh, and they recruited, ironically, they recruited boys at about 14 or 15 years old. So my father went into the seminary and finished high school and uh, went to college and then got a master's. And um, he really never looked back. And he didn't let any of his past um, stand in his way. And so when he met my mother, uh, he was going to be a priest. He was um, very close to his final vows. And then my mother, with her wanton ways, which <laughs> my parents were very square in the 60s. I've mentioned that before. They were very like new Christie minstrels, um, Roger Whitaker. Uh, they weren't, you know, they weren't at Woodstock. Let's just say that. So um, but my mom was in love with him and he was in love with her. And so he went to the uh, bishop or the cardinal and said, I'm leaving the church because I'm in love with a woman. And he left the church and came back and told my mother, I know you're in love with me. I'm no longer a priest. We can get married. And so it was just this really romantic story. And my father is kind beyond kind. He is generous, beyond generous. He it, rarely, if ever, raised his voice. As I told in an earlier episode, the only time I remember him raising his voice was when I, was when I, <laughs> was when I um, sort of dressed like Betty Davis in the 1938 Warner Brothers film Jezebel and um, paraded myself in front of his friends, uh, th these other couples that were over for dinner. And um, he screamed, that's enough! Like he had had it with, with the gaiety. Um, but that's really the only time I remember him getting angry with me or raising his voice. Like one time. My parents never fought. They, I knew they were annoyed with each other. I could tell. But they, they did not argue out loud. They did not yell at each other. They didn't demoralize each other. They didn't hit below the belt. They, they had this amazing... Hallmark, and they still do, this amazing Hallmark card relationship. My best girl, he would write on a card, you know, just on every first of the of the month, because their anniversary was August 1st. So he would bring roses to her. And he was so generous with me and so kind and so understanding. And so I realize I'm trying, I mean, it's not a Stepford wife. Uh, it's my dad I've been trying to emulate. And so I have gotten into this marriage and into this, this, this fatherhood episode of my life, this amazing part of my life, um, trying to be kind and gentle. And people have told me, you're, you're just like your father. You're so much like your father. Um, and I love hearing that. I want to be just like my father. And as a husband, um, I started off pretty good. <laughs> I don't know what Eric would say now, uh, but I, I started off and we both, you know, would give each other cards and go out for romantic dinners and and, you know, sweetie, honey, cutie, babe. You know, my parents call each other honey, honey. And uh, for us, it's babe. Uh, and so. 
you know, we things change when you have a child and your your thin veneer of sanity gets gets chipped away at. But even the first two years were just pretty ideal. Jack was such an easy baby and uh, he was an easy toddler and just super agreeable and we could bring him anywhere. And you guys make this look easy. (laughs) Thank you. Or Jackson's so kind and sweet. He gets it from his daddies. (laughs) Then there's this Facebook. You're, you're, you're curating your entire life to, to see what it looks like on Facebook and Instagram. And it's total bullshit. Uh, there's there's no truth to any of it. Uh, it's just, you know, who's going to take a picture of a shitstorm? No one. They're going to put the best of the best out there. And I found that I am and, and always have sort of curated my life to to look really great, to be as perfect as possible. And, you know, don't rock the boat. Don't um, please don't raise your voice. I promised I will never. So help me, Jesus. I will never raise my voice at my child. He will never hear me yell. Um, he is going to have a kind, benevolent father like I did. And uh, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> He's not going to hear me swear. He's not going to hear me yell. It's just going to be, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise him like I was raised. So um, then he turned three. So here, here we have a three-year-old. And three-year-old, there's a book that I used to think was awful. Like, how could anyone write a book? It's called <laughs> Toddlers Are Assholes. And I thought, what an awful thing to say. Ugh, who would say such a thing? Um, maybe me. <laughs> uh, Jackson is three, and he is as three as he can be. He is, he is sweet. He is smart. He is, he is kind. He has a great memory. He has lots of friends. But man, oh fucking man, can this kid get under our skin. And so he turned three in September, and I was just sort of coming out of my surgery and um, starting a new job. And, and this new job is incredible. I've never been happier. So, um, you know, I've got I've got that going on. And but coming home and 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 having Jackson to uh, defy me at every turn and to challenge me at every turn and to test me and Eric at every turn. I have lost my cool and I've raised my voice and I've scared him. I raised my voice at my parents. Um, I think he like punched my mom in the thigh and I yelled so loud he hid under the table. But part of me was glad. Part of me was glad. Like I can I can scare this child. He my voice has power. Um, But that's sort of changed. So when we do get loud with him, Jesus Christ, Jackson, um, or stop it! You know, like you're just, you've had it, right? Um, he just laughs at us. Eric and I both um, raise our voice. And to me, for so long, it was unacceptable. I would cry. I, I, I've done you wrong, kid. I said I wasn't going to be that dad. And, and I, I don't look like that dad on Facebook. I look like I'm taking pictures of the happiest kid in the world. And, and he's just perfect, too. And, you know, Eric and I argue in front of him. And I remember that I he, he gets upset and he'll say, stop it. And I'll say, it's okay. It's okay. You know, we are arguing and um, it's okay. We, I love Dada and Dada loves me. And it's okay to be mad at each other because we still love each other. We, when we had a little bit of a blowout and he's like, 
Daddy, are you mad on Dada? And I said, I am. I confessed. I am mad on Dada. He's like, Dada, are you mad on Daddy? And Eric said, no, I think Daddy's just mad at me, but that's okay. We're just going to give each other a little space. So I felt really bad. Like, he's, he's an empath, I think, and he can pick up on our emotions pretty fast and pay attention to them and sort of regurgitate things we've said. And so the next day, I'm like, babe, babe come here and kiss me a lot. And now we're going to really show Jackson how we're like, "Mm, I love Dada. See how everything's fine the next day. Because I never experienced that. Eric experienced arguing in his childhood, but to me, it was like, it would be the end of the world. So we're on a learning curve. We're growing. We're, we're, we're being as real as possible. We're showing Jackson that it's okay to be angry. And we're just sort of, we're we're just we're just making it right parenting a toddler is fucking hard three is a really hard age and it's stressful and and any couple that's going through this is is withstanding a lot and of course they're going to snipe at each other but we're doing great okay so this is the longest build-up ever to this story but the day after eric's birthday i was picking him up from uh picking him up at home to go to dinner for his birthday and I'm like, I'm, I texted him, I'm close by. No text back, and that's fine. I pull up, and I roll down the window, and Eric is standing there, and Jackson is standing there, and on the sidewalk, on the snowy sidewalk, and Eric says, I fell down the stairs. I fell down the stairs. I think I broke my ankle. And I was holding Jackson, and I was like, oh, Santa Maria, I can't take this. My nerves. I'm like, so, I'm like, well, what do we do? What do we do? I don't fucking know. What the fuck? Like, we should go to the hospital. He's like, well, I really want to kind of go to dinner. (laughs) He's a sucker for a meatball. So we went to this restaurant, Chef's, uh, which is a Buffalo institution, and he could barely walk. So we get to the table. He's he's holding on to me and his cousin, Amy. His ankle is huge. It reminded me of the nuns at St. Amelia's who had these log legs like they're they had definite cankles and he had a cankle. It's a calf. It's an ankle. And so. I was getting very upset and I was like, we need to go to immediate care or something. So we asked our mother-in-law if we could watch Jackson, if she could watch Jackson. And uh, we went to immediate care and they said it is broken, but there's nothing we can do until you get it checked out by an orthopedist. So uh, we came home and um, Eric slept on the couch and had his foot elevated. And I was like, mother fuck. Things were going pretty well, although I was like a minimal level of stress. And now uh, we're into four to six weeks of some crazy bullshit. Eric couldn't do anything. So and if you know Eric and Eric has given me permission to tell you about this, I'd like you all to go to your computers and I'd like you to Google obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Uh. I believe this is what Eric has, and I I love all his parts, including his OCPD. But it's a read, just read about it. But a lot of it has to do with control and having everything in order and lists. And, um, you know, I wanted to be like my dad. Hey, babe, what can I get you? No problem. Do you want me to sleep out here with you? But instead, I was an absolute bitch and i was like you stop ordering me around and i'm not your fucking maid and and can't you move at all like i was <laughs> it was really nasty i was i noticed i was walking around the house with clenched fists 
And then I would feel really bad. And then I would cry and be like, I'm the worst husband in the world. Babe, I love you. I'm here for you. Whatever you need. You took care of me when I had my surgery. Although I feel like I was a much different type of patient. Um, And so I wanted to be the Stepford housewife taking care of him and I was failing miserably and soon Jackson would be home and watch me he would watch me fail miserably so um we spent uh two weeks week and a half with me being at the end of my fucking rope and I said to Eric you know a good morning would be a nice start uh before you move into a litany of tasks for me I appear in the hall at 530 in the morning when Jackson wakes up and Eric is on his sick bed announcing, babe, do you think you could check the kitchen to see if Marm peed on the mat? And then do you think you could change Jackson's diaper and turn this red light on and go outside and see if the steps need to be salted? And can you grab my dance bag? And I need a Motrin. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. But then I'm like, I should be, I'm supposed to do all this. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, Uh uh-huh. So I'm not exactly the nicest person in the world. And then I say to Jackson, we need to take care of Dada. You know, we have to take care of his, he's got a boo-boo, he's he's got a cast on, we have to be really careful. Jesus fucking Christ, Jackson, let's get away from that cast. Um, And again, I feel like Don Davenport in Female Trouble. If you've never seen a John Waters film, Female Trouble is a good starter. And Don Davenport, who is a who leads a life of beauty and crime, played by uh, Divine, has a daughter named Taffy. When Taffy is little, uh, she goes through <laughs> there's some really funny scenes, but Taffy has divine at wit's end, and she'll be like, God damn it, Taffy! She's jumping rope. Give me that rope! Last time you're gonna jump with this goddamn thing. Give me those scissors! And she cuts the rope, and she's like, don't make me beat you with that car, Ariel, again. And, and Taffy says, why can't I have friends? Why can't I go to school? And divine says... You can't go to school because I said so. I won't have you nagging me for lunch money and whining for help on your homework. There's no need to know about the presidents, wars, numbers, or science. Just listen to me and you will learn. And no little friends over here repeating rhymes, asking flippant questions, and talking in those nagging baby voices. Can't you just sit here and look out into the air? Isn't that enough? Do you always have to badger me for attention? So... (laughs) (laughs) female trouble 1974 john waters and divine is the worst mother in the world and when i when i raise my voice to jackson i never say any of those things however i remind myself of divine in female trouble because i'm like you fought you should not be parenting at this time so i just feel like uh uh feeling like a failure and not knowing what to do. And then I get this amazing opportunity to go to New York City for work. Yes, I travel for work. Uh, I went to New York City by myself and I got to stay in a really nice boutique hotel. And I had an amazing day before I did my presentation. I went to Bryant Park and and watched the skaters. I walked to the MoMA and uh, looked at great pieces of art. I bought some things in the MoMA gift shop. I went to Serendipity 3 for some frozen hot chocolate, um, looking for celebrities to gawk at, but there were none. I don't think people, I don't think celebrities go to Serendipity 3 anymore. Um, They did in the past, though. 
And uh, so then I thought, I'm going to buy Jackson. All he wanted for Christmas were these um, lollipops that he saw at Target. They were from Dylan's Candy Bar. And Dylan's Candy, Dylan is, uh, I believe, Dylan Loren, Ralph Loren's daughter. And she has a, uh, on the Upper East Side, this, this amazing candy megalopolis. And I thought, I'm just going to run in there and I'm going to pick out some smaller lollipops and I'm going to give them to Jackson and he's going to be so happy. So I got a Dylan's candy bar gift bag and some tissue paper and I picked out four of the most spectacular lollipops, just like my dad would uh, for my son and um, brought them back to the hotel and put them in a safe place. So then I did my presentation to 14 families that were hoping to adopt and they were one cooler and better than the next there were three women there from france there was a couple there the one guy was from ireland and the other from belgium it was very international they were fantastic we hugged there were tears um and then i walked uh to times square and had um dinner with my friend who's working uh at frozen on broadway and, and, and my friend Fran is fucking phenomenal. We've been friends for, we, deci- we decided, we le- we figured out we've been friends for, it'll be 30 years. So she's a forever friend. Um, the next day I went to Greenwich Village and, and uh, had an amazing breakfast alone <laughs> at a restaurant called Rosemary's on Greenwich Ave. I suggest it. Um, they were playing classical music and there were fresh flowers and it was warm and I was drinking coffee and everyone in there looked like Meryl Streep in the hours, which is a look, I'll tell you. And I just was like, I want to eat this up. I love it here. And I was alone and I got to be alone with my thoughts. And I'm like, this is the rejuvenation I've needed. I needed this trip. So I didn't even know how badly I needed this trip to New York. Of course, I missed my boys, but um, I would have treats for them when I got home. So um, after Greenwich Village, I went back to um, I went to the Magnolia Bakery and got a half dozen cupcakes for us. And I got a half dozen cupcakes for my sister-in-law who watched Jackson when when Eric could not because I, I was on a work trip and he can't lift Jackson. So um, I was coming home the perfect Stepford, New York City queen with all these treats And I'm going to be a different person when I get home. I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be the best daddy in the world. I'm going to be a great caretaker because I got this amazing alone time. See, I fall under this mythology that if you get a little alone time, it's going to last like it's going to be good for like money in the bank. Like I'm going to be nice for like six months because I got to spend a day alone. Um, But guess what? It wears off real fast, like maybe the night of. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so I flew home. I missed my boys and uh, Jackson was still with Michelle. So Eric's like, we have 10 minutes together. I'm like, what? how was it, babe? And let me see your cast. Oh, are people going to sign it? What do you need? Can I get you some? Should we order out tonight? Oh, I want to help you. Oh, I missed you. And then Jackson walks in. I'm like, babe, how are you? I have treats for you. And he blows past me and starts demanding things and crying and stomping and and just being a three-year-old. And I'm like, you little ingrate. In my mind, I did not say it out loud, but I'm Don Davenport. You little ingrate. I brought you candy and I brought you cupcakes and this is the respect I get. So I turn into divine in my mind. But I am pissed from zero. I went from zero to pissed in 10 minutes and he wasn't listening and I was angry. And then Eric started yelling at him and it was a fucking shit show. And I was like, 
okay, so I'm a Gemini. So I'm either super nice and lovable and everyone wants to hug me or I say really nasty things. And uh, I said to Eric, I'm sorry I ever left New York. And guess what? I made Eric cry. Yes, I made Eric cry. Uh, that's what kind of awesome husband I am. I made my husband cry. So I'm like, are you crying? A good friend of mine once said, do not trump my anger with your tears. <laughs> but he trumped my anger with his tears. Daddy, you crying? Dada, you crying? Daddy, make you cry? I'm like, oh my God, they're going to take this kid away from us. CPS is going to... We have these two young girls that live above us. What must they think? They must think it's just a fucking bloodbath down here. But really, it's just we're parenting a three-year-old. So I'm like, babe, I didn't mean to make you cry. I'm just... This is just not what I wanted to come home to. That's all. He's like, well, how do you think that makes me feel when you say you wish you'd never left New York, that you were still there, that you hadn't come home? I'm like, well, it's kind of the truth. But... I feel awful. And so it, this was a Friday. I'm like, we're going to have the best weekend ever. So guess what? We didn't have the best weekend ever. I barely remember Saturday. I just know that sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I have a, the whole fucking day ahead of me to entertain, to wait on, to provide um, snacks for one and all, to provide Motrin. So I know I'm, I'm just complaining a lot right now, but I was feeling really sorry for myself. And I was, I was, uh, I was unkind on Saturday. And we ate our cupcakes, which were great, but I was saving the suckers. I actually, I carried the suckers on the plane with me because I didn't want them to crack. I wanted these to be the best suckers in the world for my for my boy. And so I sort of hid them and was going to save them from when he was behaving a little bit better. Um, but I thought I could use them as leverage. Like, you know, if you listen, daddy has a treat for you. So um, Sunday came and we uh, had plans to go to lunch for Eric's grandmother's birthday. And getting ready to go out is always... Um, just a fucking DEFCON 1, trying to not only Eric get dressed now, but Jackson get dressed. And I'm like, I'm going to... So I, I I was sort of in a state and um, I was like, I'm going to Starbucks to get our treats. So I went to Starbucks and Eric texted me. He's like, I think he just likes getting a negative reaction from us. Maybe if we don't react negatively, he might... Um, not respond the way he does. And then I said, I think we're also on our phones too much. And so he's trying to get our attention in any way he can. So maybe we should be better about phone. So I really thought Eric and I had worked it out over text. So I came home. I'm home. I've got treats for everyone. Jackson gets a chocolate milk from Starbucks on the weekend. And we have our drinks um, loaded with caffeine. And um, so we were drinking our drinkies. But then, you know, he's spilling it. And then he's chasing the dog. And then he's throwing his wand that he got at Mickey's... Um, oh, what the fuck was it called? Disney on ice. He's throwing it at, at Marm and terrifying Marm. And then I'm, I'm thinking, I have to do everything around here. I got to change the diapers. I got to get him dressed. I have to get my fucking self dressed. Do I have to get Eric dressed too? Jesus Christ, Taffy, give me that car, Ariel. And so I, we were, I, I will not chase Jackson. I can't do it. I am four. I'm going to be 48. I'm not chasing, but I do, you know. I follow him around, but he's running back and forth, running back and forth. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm being super negative and being like, if you don't stop running, you're not going to, to Gigi's lunch. 
which is the the worst thing to say because he doesn't care. So what I should be saying is if you stay still, you will be able to go to Gigi's lunch. Um, but I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I said, fuck it. I said it out loud. I said, fuck it. I'm not chasing this kid around. So I sat like a pouting, whiny bitch on our beautiful new couch. And Eric's like, you, you, have, you have to change his diaper. You have to get him ready. We need to go. So my, temp, my temperature was rising. I had Jackson in a room, and I had his clothes set out, and he was squirming, like, to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right. His legs were kicking me, kicking, kicking, hitting, hitting, laughing, laughing in my face. And I was like, babe, I need your help. I need you to at least hold, hold his arms down so I can get his, change his poopy diaper. Because there's always that fear that it's going to smear somewhere. So I was there's something called a fugue state. Have you ever heard of a fugue state? Let's see how the online dictionary defines fugue. Disassociative fugue, formerly fugue state or psychogenic fugue, is a dissociative disorder and rare psychi- psychiatric disorder characterized by reversible amnesia for personal identity, including memories, personality, and other identifying characteristics of individuality. So you, you completely um, lose yourself. All, uh, symptoms may include altered states, self-harm, amnesia, rare, Um, So you just, you're sort of out of your body. You're not there anymore. And I fucking lost it. I went over to the Dylan's candy bar bag. I took out the four suckers and I said, you know what? You're not getting these at all. And I took the sucker and I smashed it on the footboard of our bed and I smashed it hard and I smashed it over and over and over again. And then I took the next sucker. There was part of me though, that was still present and was like, Oh fuck, I have to clean this up. But it was raining lollipop shards in our room. Eric was like, babe, 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 what the fuck? And I was like, I'm smashing them all. You know what? Fuck this. Fuck this. And I was smashing, smashing these these lollipops. Jackson <laughs> was looking at me like, "You are what the fuck, daddy?" I was I was panting. I was smashing lollipops on the footboard of the bed. The room was covered with um uh, lollipop shards they were all over they were in our shoes they were on our clothes they were all over the bed they were in the hallway and we had to go to lunch so i was like i'm gonna take a little step away and i was went back to the couch and was like what the fuck did i just do i in, in 47 years <laughs> have never lost my shit that way. I have never embarrassed myself like that. I have never been in a fugue state. I've blacked out drunk many times, but never in a completely sober fugue state. Um, I was, I was, I was sort of impressed that I, I had such a fury within me, but uh, I was like, we have to leave. I said, um, you know what? I'm going to tell your family I'm sick because I don't feel like talking to anybody. So we, um, I, uh, we left the, the shards, my, my shameful shards of lollipop. And everybody was silent. And Jackson, 
he was was trying to like you okay <laughs> you okay daddy and eric's like i would leave daddy alone i would give him some space i don't think daddy wants to talk right now um we get in the car and we get to the corner and eric said daddy's really upset I, you need to apologize to, to daddy and he said i'm i'm sorry daddy and i was like i suck i fucking suck I'm the worst. I wanted to be the best. I am now the worst. And I started to cry. And these, these, sometimes I cry when it's usually, when it involves my son, I have like guttural cries and it's hard to drive when you're crying that hard. And it's hard to know that you're going to be around 10 to 15 people in just a few minutes. But he, Eric's like, it's okay, babe. It's okay. Cut yourself some slack. It's okay. It's fine. So... I'm crying all the way to the restaurant. I look like I've been crying. So my line is that I'm sick. And uh, luckily, Eric's family sort of brought me out of it. And, you know, I, we, we shared a couple laughs. But then we got home and I had to, like, face the, <laughs> this room covered in four absolutely smashed to smithereens fucking lollipops. The lollipops I once, once treated so gently. And it just made me cry again. So... I just felt like a fucking failure and I was like, I'm, they should uh, take away. I, I shouldn't even have a, a child. I just suck. I scared him. There's broken lollipops. Who does this? What kind of, what kind of fucking lunatic does this kind of thing? Um, it was a, it was a bad, bad rest of the day. I was, I was, I, I turned into myself. I wanted just to lie down. Um, when I get really depressed or go through something like that, my body is really good at shutting down and I just fall asleep. So I think I fell asleep at like seven or eight. Jackson crawled on top of me and he fell asleep. So the next day, um, I started reaching out to some friends and I was like, have you ever lost it in front of your kid? And, you know, guess what? People have. They've lost it in front of their kid. Um, one friend who will remain nameless sent me a picture of a wall where she'd thrown her phone, destroying it, that it had taken a big chunk out of the wall. So um, I felt a little better. And then I reached out to another friend who he assured me. He's like, look, at everybody's human. Would you could you possibly allow yourself to be human for a minute. And I was like, I don't know. I'm, I've never have. I've never let myself be human in that way, especially when it comes to, to frustration or anger or, or admitting your kid makes you crazy. You know, we adopted this child. We wanted, we wanted a, a baby so badly that we jumped through hoops of fire to be eligible to adopt him. And now I'm smashing suckers and scaring him. And so you know, who is that guy? So luckily I have a therapist and I went to my therapist and told her of the sucker incident. And she was like, Jesus Christ, Sean, <laughs> you let it get to that point. She's like, can't you just, you might want to call it a little earlier before you start destroying things. She's like, but let yourself be human. We've all, I get it. I've had a three-year-old. We, this kind of stuff happens. It doesn't make you an awful person. And, um, you know, 
she she mentioned the Stepford wives and you know you don't want to be a Stepford person but I I you know I was thinking where does this come from like my dad would never have done that kind of thing I would I'd be I'd be talking about it every day <laughs> until the day I died but that's just my dad you know and and he's human too now I see him as a 78 year old man and he in all his humanness and in all his Parkinson's disease and in his and his desire to be independent and I he's very vulnerable and human but um I it, it's taken me a couple of of uh when did that happen Sunday yeah so it's taken me a while to and Eric a while to kind of sit back and be like we need to fucking chill out and let ourselves be human we are always kind we we are always coming from a place of love on our worst day on my very worst day I'm I'm merely breaking $12 suckers from Dylan's candy bar I'm not punching a hole in the wall although I guess that is better than harming a person, but I've never harmed a person. I've never, I've never said, look what you made me do. Or I've never been demoralizing or, or made Jackson feel like something's like my mood is his fault. He ignore, believe me, he ignores my mood, except when I'm like, it's raining lolly in our bedroom. But, um, I, I'm really coming to terms with the fact that I am I am human as a as a dad as a gay man as a husband and that I'm gonna fuck up kids babe I'm gonna fuck up and you know what else that means you're gonna fuck up too so ask yourself when have you ever what was your lollipop moment uh have you ever lost your shit so completely that you were like what the fuck was that after it happens? Eric and I were laughing in the car about it. He's like, babe. I'm like, oh, babe, that was low. That was a low moment. I'm like, but dramatic, I will say. Um, and we, we shared a chuckle. And uh, what I did was when Jackson fell asleep, I went to Target because Target sells Dylan's uh, lollipops. And I bought him a giant lollipop and put it in the Dylan's bag and said, I'm apologizing to you. I, I am sorry I lost my temper and scared you. Um, but I was very angry and I had big feelings. My friend Kelly told me to, to say that. Uh, and they came out in the wrong way, just like they'll come out in the wrong way for you. So uh, I had this little peace offering of a giant lollipop, which he loved. And, you know, I'm he's he's going to learn how to be human from us learning from us being human. Like we're we're not going to be the Stepford babes. We're we're super fucking human. We are Eric and I are flawed individuals. I am a flawed individual. Did I say Eric is a flawed <laughs> individual? Remember, he gave me permission to do this podcast, which he probably won't even listen to, so it's fine. Um so yeah, the lesson here is nobody wants a Stepford wife or a Stepford babe. We're, we're all kinds of mess, right? We're all of our pathology. We're all of our childhood woes. We're all of our, our, our anger. We're all of our, our good parts too. But I just, I want to give, I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way. Like I need to be perfect. I need to be really good at this. I can't make a mistake. 
I'm going to beat myself up forever for making a mistake. I'm still, believe me, I still feel bad about it. And I've hesitated to discuss this uh, openly um, because I feel awful. I feel like it was like I crossed a line. (laughs) I crossed a line. We're still stepping on little pieces of um, Dylan's candy uh, throughout our house. We're finding larger chunks. I thought I cleaned it up pretty well. Um, but of course, then, then I'm stepping in shit and dragging that all around the house too. So we have a really, really nice house, really clean environment here. Um, but again, our house isn't going to be perfect either. You know, we have toys every fucking where what used to be our glorious living room and dining room there's a trampoline in my dining room there's a tiny kitchen and a a tool table in my living room i'm looking right now what can what do i see oh there's woody and elmo and pete the cat and two mickey mouses and a genie a, a teddy bear dressed as the genie from aladdin all on one dining room chair this is my life people but guess what it's okay because we're fucking human. I want you to watch this. St- okay, here's your homework. You have homework. I want you to ask yourselves, what, do I have that Stepford complex too? Am I trying to be perfect? Am I trying to create and cultivate a tableau of the perfect life that looks really good on Facebook and, and looks good on Christmas cards? Uh, somebody told me, remember like when, when people used to, in, inside their Christmas card, they had a ditto of a letter they typed. David Sedaris has a really, 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 really funny one in his book, um, Oh, barrel fever. Uh, And it's a a letter from a Christmas letter from (laughs) from a family who's uh, gone wild. But people they put on their best face. Right. But you don't see that it's it's they're fucking breaking suckers, too, when nobody's looking. So, again, I've made my point. This is this is a long one, huh? I started with Blippi and then I moved into my uh, feral rage that's inside of me apparently but uh things are good things are good eric and i have um we work really hard on this relationship and we we talk it out and we drop it if we're pissed at each other it's it's usually dropped within an hour or two or definitely by the next day we don't hang on to it and that's something that i really um I really, really like. We actually, sometimes we will sing a song um, from Jesus Christ Superstar. It's called, um, Could We Start Again, Please? And back before we had Jackson, he used to come in and be like, babe, I thought you said you were going to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, you know what? You need to walk out and close the door and come back in a whole new fucking person. And he would say, it's like that song, could we start again, please? And so we still, sometimes he'll put it on the, the, um, my iTunes and it's his way of saying, I know I fucked up. Can we start again, please? So that you can always hit that reset button, but we work really hard and we're working hard to sort of create uh, an environment for Jackson where he, he, he feels safe that, and knows that it's okay to get really pissed off sometimes. As long as he's not hurting anybody, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to cry. And that's what three-year-olds do. They get mad and cry. And, uh, I never really learned that. And that's just the way it was. So my mother claims I never, never cried and I never threw a tantrum. She can't relate. Oh, see again, the pressure of being perfect. I'm not flawed. I'm fucking flawed. I'm Don Davenport in female trouble. Look it up. Although you don't want to look, see too much. There's some 
some bizarre scenes in that film. If you're not a John Waters fan, be careful. So anyway, you're asking yourselves, do you have that Stepford complex? complex? What was your sucker breaking moment? Have you ever had it? And if you do, I'm giving you permission, just like my friends have been encouraging me this week to just be fucking human. That's what you are. You're not an amoeba. You're not uh, a newt. You're not um, a beautiful cardinal. You're a human being. And this is what human beings do. So, babe, go easy on yourself. Remember, I fucked up. You're going to fuck up. We're all fucked up. (laughs) So that's the lesson. I love you. Talk to you later. Please don't judge me. Okay. Bye, babe. Thank you.